We are still in our series on spiritual warfare. This is part three. This is the weapons of warfare. Psalm 144.1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. This was a psalm of David. We know this was physical war, but also David knew the spiritual war. Now part one and part two of this series covered what spiritual war is and who the adversaries are. Our enemies have many successful tactical weapons in spiritual warfare that is waged against heaven and earth. Part three that will be discussed today covers the weapons that the foes use against us and how we ourselves can become their weapons to be used against us and others. I will also talk about the gifts that God has given us to fight against and overcome the forces of darkness. Please turn to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I need to make something clear beforehand. You cannot fight in divine conflict and win if you are either A, a false convert to Christianity, B, a true believer who's ignorant of Scripture, or C, you do not believe in the devil and his fallen angels. Satan has used these tactics to keep people lost, false Christians unconverted, and Christians on the exterior only, oblivious because they refuse to study God's word. Now, when you pick up a, a, a gorgeous seashell on the beach, you kind of you enjoy this beauty, right? But when you put it to your ear, you know it's empty with no life inside. Now, people say that you can hear the ocean, but really all that shell's doing is amplifying the sound of the ocean that you're standing next to. Now, false Christians are the same way. They're empty inside, and they amplify the world they're standing in instead of the glory and salvation of God's Word and the salvation of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. So just because they look beautiful on the outside, what's being amplified from them from the inside? Jesus declared that those who rejected his message were of your father, the devil. He said that in John eight forty four. All human beings are not brothers and sisters. There are two kingdoms and two families. All humans are born into this world as children of the devil and the flesh. But anyone who will hear the message of Jesus and accepts it will be adopted into the family of God. Now, polls taken in the last few years have stated that most Christians do not believe in Satan, but that he's just a representation of evil. They think that the Holy Spirit is also not real, but a symbol of God's power and presence for those who are saved. The U.S. and most Western nations have been thoroughly secularized through their educational systems, beginning in preschool. We all know that. 
They perpetuate to these children that the supernatural is not real, the devil is not real, God is not real, demons and angels are not real. And modern churches are no better. Having been duped in the lie that Satan does not exist. Many so-called Christians in hoodwinked churches are pushing their belief that there is no literal hell and Satan is not a real being. I'm not kidding. It's rampant. And my answer to them is that they are not Christians at all because they are calling Jesus a liar and saying that God's word is false. Jesus spoke of hell more than anyone else in Scripture. Jesus Christ's own words identified the devil and the fallen angels as the enemy. If someone asks you to prove that God and the heavenly beings exist, tell them you don't have to prove it and ask God to reveal it to them. They are the ones who have to demonstrate that they do not exist. We know they do. They have to prove to us that they don't. See, when you put the ball in their court, it's a lot harder for them to come at you with that argument. People will put so much faith in trying to date a universe which they cannot see and believe that the beginning of life on this planet evolved without proof. But they will not give God one ounce of praise for the blessings and creation all around them that scream of a creator. They do not give one moment to the one who put breath in their lungs. Jude 16 through 19 says, These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember that the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last time there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Now Christ created hell and the lake of fire for the devil and the fallen angels. Golfers accepted at their own choice and expense a ticket to dive into hell with them. Instead of taking the free gift of Christ, seeing that he bought them at no cost whatsoever to them, uncaring that it cost Jesus all. They instead want the gift of themselves which results in the finality of eternal damnation. Acts 20, 29-30 says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing a flock. Also from among yourselves men will arise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. People are used as tools of war by the enemy. Satan has so divided churches the denominations rage against each other. They're at each other's throats. They're too busy fighting over doctrine instead of uniting for the body of Christ. Paul appealed to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. And we have nothing of the sort here in America. We have the exact opposite. Christians have forgotten that Jesus Christ is supposed to be the center of everything. Don't they know that their church laws and Bible versions have nothing to do with saving people? You know, I think we need to bring back all of the missionaries that we send around the world and evangelize here in the USA. Because it's the sobering fact that so many Americans are lost. And, and that's not far-reaching. That's not a far-fetched idea that I have. Second Chronicles 7.14 It 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If only. So many professing Christians are lost. False apostates going to hell because of the deceptions and dishonesties of Satan that have steered their hearts and seared their consciences away from true salvation in the mercy of Christ. Psalm 9.17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Hello, America. I think as a nation, we're trying our best to forget God. Not as the Christians who are here, but as a nation as a whole. Anywhere on the coasts. You know, us people in flyover country, you know, we still believe in God, as they like to call it. Listen, demonic deception is at an all-time high within the Christian church. Within the church. And it's only going to get worse. We see churches corrupt with worldly, mammon-worshipping pimp preachers, ear-tickling sermons, self-helps, demon-induced mockery, and even secular songs, not worship songs. I saw a video the other day. They sung ACDC's Highway to Hell in church. Well, they say it's a church. You make your own assessment. You know, we even see thefts, arsons, sexual crimes, churches closing, and members being persecuted, assaulted, or killed. In America, people, even the worst of them in the past, in this country at least, had respect for the Bible and churches. Those days are gone. And I hate to say it, they're not going to come back. But that doesn't mean people can't be saved. Spies of the devil have fully infiltrated the church and true believers and false traitors are fighting between the pews. Just like our country is being destroyed from within, churches are being destroyed from within. Satan knows that's the best way to do it. No nation in their right mind in this world would come against us from the outside. They know we're too powerful. But they know if they can get in and break us down from the inside, that weakens us. Who do you think they learned that from? From their father, the devil. The problem with the churches is you can't just know the name of Jesus. You need to know that Jesus Christ is God. Turn to Acts 19, please. Acts 19, 13 through 16. Let me give you a really good example of what I just said. Acts 19, 13 through 16 says, Then some of the itinerant Jews, exorcists, took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was in leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. People know that you go to church, but how many people know that you are a true Christian? Who are you? What are you? Are you sold out for Christ or are you a slave of the devil? Test yourself. 2 Corinthians 13 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you 
unless, of course, you failed the test. I'm going to give you a little list here of some of the most prevalent lies, deceptions, weapons of the devil. Idolatry. Anything that you worship except God is idolatry. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your car, your boat, your house, sports teams, what have you. If it is not God, it's an idol. Occult practices. And something that's very popular today is universalism where all human beings will eventually be saved. When we know scripture tells us, I don't think so. You know, also pluralism, that all roads lead to God. I know my Savior only spoke of a narrow path that only a few would follow. And it's the only one that leads to the throne of God. And we know as Christians that's not an easy path. But we know it's the only one, and that's the one we trudge along. You know, you have atheism, agnosticism, humanism, materialism, hedonism, naturalism, elitism, and nihilism, which believes that beliefs, morals, and religion are nothing. UFOs and paranormal, those are huge today. Even churches going on about it. False religions and doctrines, those have always been around. But the most damaging in the church today are relativism and postmodernism. And reason being is they're changing how people look at Scripture. The majority of believers and unbelievers today do not have even a basic understanding of biblical principles. In the past, even unbelievers knew basic Bible principles because they were taught them in school. The enemy has done so much to draw the eye of humans on Many false teachings. Biblical ignorance is bliss in today's society. People are too lethargic and too distracted to listen to or read their Bible. And I know that I'm right in saying that. There's so much distraction, the last thing you're thinking about is reading Scripture. So what they do instead is take the words of the world, the government, and dishonest preachers and take them to heart. That's their truth because they won't seek it for themselves. James 4, 1 through 4 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The postmodern view, their worldview, is often naturalistic. That is, they identify and interpret the world in light of natural principles, basically evolution. And they try to mix that in with the church. Combined with relativism in the area of morals and truth. Basically, a postmodern person says that truth is understood in the context of one's culture and personal experience. And these observations, in turn, dominate how the world is to be interpreted. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 says, The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
You get the leaders you want. God will give you who you ask for. That's why you see some of these mega churches that have 10,000 people in a service that will have a pastor that will stand there and tell them everything about them and points to their self and points to everything that you can receive and all everything will be healed and you're going to have money. And that's what they tell them because that's what they want to hear. Instead of an objective absolute truth, i.e. God's revelation, the individual observes and accepts what he considers to be true and false based upon his own experiences. That means that different cultures and different individuals will interpret reality differently. In other words, what is true for one person may not be true for another. This is taught in churches. Basically, they take the Bible and say, make it what you want. It's up to your interpretation. Satan's idea of an open mind is one that is close to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure we've all... Have an open mind. No. There's a difference. Have a godly perspective. That's about as open as your mind can get. John 7, 16 through 18 says, Jesus said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus said, I got this from God my Father. You know, assaults from the enemy are always more than we expect. And he attacks the born-again Christian in all areas. We're a lot more dangerous to him than the unbelievers, obviously, because they're following Satan right now. So what does he do? He keeps us from becoming disciples of Christ. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil kills because it is his nature to do so. He destroys families, cities, countries, to construct a wedge barrier between the survivors and God. And surprising your enemy is one of the most well-known philosophies of war. Satan's so good at it that he often betrays people who should have known better for their entire lifetime. What a shock to learn that they are not so wise after all. 2 Peter 2, 20-22 says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit. And the sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Listen. Of all the weaponries in the enemy's arsenal, the greatest armaments that Satan hijacks is your mind and your flesh. The battlefront is and begins in the thought processes of your mind. Every temptation is birthed and managed there, and you can either discard it or follow it. It is your free will that dictates your choice. You dictate it to let that temptation become and give birth to sin. 
The devil doesn't make you do it. You do it. I do it. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. That's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? You know, have you ever understood that all of the backbiting in families and in churches has a demonic influence and purpose? Two of Satan's nastiest devices are accusation and slander. In Zechariah 3.1, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Satan can't be everywhere at once. But there's so many fallen angels, they're all over the place. Do you not know that they set up? They're just like a military. They have different sections and states and cities and towns that they patrol and cover. You know, right here in this area, we don't know how many. But they will come and they will get in your head. You have to look at it from that perspective. You have to see. It's not the physical. It has to be what we can't see. And when's the last time you had a bad thought or said something that injured somebody in your families, you know, with your spouse? You know the exact thing to say to hurt them. But you have to realize, where's that come from? It's not that you want to do it. You're acting on. You know, when Christians walk after the flesh rather than being led by the Spirit, our character resembles Satan rather than Jesus Christ. How many times have you been in a bad mood and couldn't figure out why? And then you take it out on everybody else, even though you don't know what's wrong with you. I have. And there's no excuse for it. You know, it's probably because demons have been whispering in your ear. Wanting you to take away the joys that someone else is having or to disrupt and put a rift between you and your spouse or your family. Your friends, your church family. And it's all because they know that a house divided cannot stand. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 26-27. My door is probably dented in so bad at the bottom for me letting the devil get a foothold. It's not funny. You know, you have an evil thought. And you're just like, where did that come from? Why do you think people snap? Because they do not have the Holy Spirit inside of them to protect them from that. If a demon catches a person who's very fragile mentally at the right time, boom. See what you see on the news tonight. Or we even make it easier, drugs and alcohol. You know, that basically just opens you up as an easy target. You can't control yourself. These whispers, these tantalizing thoughts on the outside, but on the inside they're life devastating. These viruses that are trying to upload into the hard drive of your mind and if fully successful can kill you. Being overcome and taken captive by the enemy is very real. And it can happen to all of us. And it has. And it will. They plot and methodically work to take control of an individual's mind encouraging specific acts of sin. And it's hard for us to come back because they've been watching us. They know what our weaknesses are. What's your weakness? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Is it your pets? What have you? That is where they'll go for. An enemy will find the weak spot. They know our desires and what our flesh wants. So they just suggest and offer 
They know what our flesh craves. So they will work on that, and they will keep working on that. You know, they lie in wait. They're ready to whisper in your ear. You don't have the money to pay those bills. How are you going to make it? You know, no one at church likes you. Why do you go? You know, you're, you're better off without them. You don't need to go to church. You can praise God at home. I've heard a lot of people do that. And you can't beat fellowship with other believers. That's why the Bible is so emphatic about it. You know, you can do what you want. It's your life, your body. Or your wife doesn't want you, or your husband's not attracted to you anymore. So what do you do? You get lost in sports, hobbies, TV, movies, internet, you know, any of the temptations of the world, and you make idols out of the sinful human beings and things. The demons help promote these fantasy worlds. They do everything they can to get you to stay in them. They'll get you to idolize an actor or movie or game or what have you. Then the thoughts permeate. Why can't my husband be like him? Or why can't my wife be like her? You covet the perceived lives that you think these people have. People become so engulfed that their mind lives in these fabricated worlds and they cannot do anything to protect themselves in the real one. You see people nowadays, they're stuck in their iPads, their iPhones, their laptops, their TVs, what have you. They create this false world. And that's where they live. And that's where the demons want them to stay. That's Satan's plan to keep them there. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's why Paul warned us to take every thought captive. Every thought in the obedience in Christ. Jesus told us in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So I'd say we take every thought captive and present it before Christ. That's the only way that you can protect your mind. You know, if you look through the lenses of an eternal perspective, and I've spoken on this, you'll be able to discern, recognize, and remedy these situations. Our enemies threaten and afflict your body. Not just our mind, they go after our body too. I'm, I know people in here can attest to that. They depress and demotivate the soul. They cast doubt and disbelief. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What did Jesus say? He said, my yoke is easy. The enemy uses the canvas of the mind to paint pictures that lead to unbelief and sin. They are liars and they use lies against us. They seek to make you physically uncomfortable and threatened. They seek to make and keep you emotionally off balance. They seek to keep us out of fellowship with God. The enemy seeks to pervert and feed false information to affect our decisions. But God's word encourages faith decisions. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But the enemy seeks to down us with provoking circumstances and to provoke pride and self-will within us and towards others. How much pride 
Well, pride is bad. Pride always comes before a fall. Pride is the hardest thing for us to push aside. They will provoke your mind to think of the past. Many people dwell on their past. They live in their past. The lost need the past because it reminds them and it troubles them to call out repentance for Jesus to save them. Okay? Their past is bankrupt and it is in need of reconciliation. We were there. Those of us who are saved, do not, we don't need to live in or dwell in or dabble in our past. It's gone. You know, our past was forgiven. Our past was paid for. Our past is only remembered. Why God allows us to remember it is so that it will teach us and then we can use it to emphasize with others. Nothing more. That's all it's there for. Our past is past and our present is Christ alone. Christians have to keep an eternal focus. It's the only way you can see this battle. If you don't, if you don't keep that focus, you're not you're you're making yourself susceptible to be taken down. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Look at that. Then you'll see everything else. We don't need our physical eyes. We don't. If we look in that perspective, we will see our enemies. We will see the glory of God. We will see in the spiritual. You've got to have a biblical worldview. Okay? It acknowledges that humans are under attack by evil spirits. And the melee with these spirits is, is a biblical worldview's reality. And you have this view if you're a true Christian. People will also be led into falling into serving demons. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. The enemy seeks to fill our lives with turmoil and trouble. You know, anything it takes to keep our eyes off of God. Anything. But man can be freed from demonization. Acts 26, 18 says, To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The Lord Jesus Christ delegated power. The Great Commission was given with power. The 70 were sent out with power. The apostles exercised power over demons. You must practice preventative maintenance in your Christian life using God's power. Because the enemy seeks to infiltrate individuals and to control their thinking, their speaking, and their doing. The enemy works behind the scenes in people's circumstances, emotions, and thought progressions. Trying to make people walk and live in the flesh. You know, a massive problem within the church today is that most people often believe the falsehoods of Satan and they retreat from the battle. They run away from the fight, even though they already have victory. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. 
But if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Those are pretty strong words. You know, most people hear, now the just shall live by faith. Read the other part of that. And I've heard people ask this, and I've thought it too, you know, in the past. Why does it seem that some of the most ungodly people seem to have it all? Well, it's because their father Satan gives it to them. And he does it to keep them under his control. And it makes other people covet and want what they have. So all they're doing is saying, well, if I can get that, well, guess what? You're going to follow Satan too. Instead of going to God, and he will bless you with what you need. And I know for people like me, it's been more than I've ever needed. You know, he feeds their flesh. Satan does whatever it desires. That's why this world's so screwed up. 1 John 5, 19 we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Proverbs 27.20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of the man are never satisfied. That's pretty self-explanatory right there. People are never content. You only find contentment in God. That's why that hole in your heart is never filled until you fill it with the Savior. You know, our enemies, these antagonists cannot be stopped, you guys, with carnal weapons. But those who are more than conquerors defeat the enemies of God using the name, authority, and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke ten nineteen says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Use God's word. Jesus gave us the greatest example of this. Turn to Matthew 4, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Yes, this is where Satan tempted Jesus. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus said nothing but God's word. And you saw what Satan was doing there. Jesus could withstand it. How much can we withstand all of it, if we use God's word and use the power of Jesus Christ. That's why he's our example. He showed us how to fight the temptations of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Look beyond this world. You know, we can't destroy the enemy, but we can destroy his works by manifesting our Savior's life in our daily life. James 4, 7, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God. Ephesians 4.27 And give no opportunity to the devil. You know, praising God in word, in deed, in song, in private and public life with a heart that is seeking glory for God only. It's a powerful method against the forces of darkness. Psalm 34.1-3 I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make it its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. We are to be salt and light with God's truth and do all things in love. Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Isaiah 58, 10-11 says, Extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. James 5, 13-16 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Open your mouths, Christians. Open your mouth and tell the lost about Jesus Christ. You may not be able to make a horse drink, but you can add salt to the grain, and eventually they'll get thirsty. You may not be the source of light, but you can open the blinds that let the light in. You may not be the source of truth, but you can share the truth that is written on your heart. You may not be the creator of love, but you can be the benefactor of that love, and you can share it with others. Where your feet may not carry you and where your voice may not be heard, your intercessory prayers on behalf of others are carried to and heard at the throne of God. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The evil nations and peoples in this world will be judged, but we have to do all that we can to save souls while swimming against the tsunami of sin that is overtaking this world. If you want to show the world that you have Christ-like character, stand up. Even when no one else will stand with you. God will. John 15, 12-14, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I'm very blessed that I'm a friend of the Lord. Even when I fail. 
Go against the grain. Swim against the current. Run to the firefights against the foes of spiritual warfare. Knowing that you'll be refined by God because you stood for Him. And this is most important. I save this for last. Put on God's armor. Ephesians 6, 10-18. When you're down, read this. Read Ephesians 6, 10-18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I can't tell you how many are going to get shot at you today. But it'll be a lot. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The problem is, is too many of us are seeking deliverance from the battlefield for our own relief. Instead of ultimate victory for God's glory. But Christians, we consistently have the ability to win in spiritual warfare. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we will all suffer afflictions of our own and will carry the burdens of others. We will endure sickness, pain, and loneliness. We will lose our purpose and our way. But as followers of Christ... The Holy Spirit will use these trials to turn them into triumphs that will not only bless your life, but be used to magnify the glory of God to bring lost sheep to the shepherd. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, this earth is basically, I see it as like a halfway house that all human beings are born into. We come to this world as sin-addicted people. We either take the free gift of the great counselor, and his sacrifice to redeem us of the sin obsession that we have. Or we reject his love and gracious mercy and fall into relapse and live once again to the world and die a sin addict bound in the abyss for all time. In the torment of knowing who and what it was in Jesus Christ that we rejected. Proverbs 1, 29-32 says, For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own, their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Now listen to me. Brothers and sisters, listen. What the devil uses to break you, God uses to refine you. As Satan melts you down like steel in a, in a furnace, God takes the hammer to mold you. 
And like steel when dipped in water becomes stronger than when it's in its natural state. By the love of his grace, he dips you in the living water of Christ to solidify you and make you stronger than you ever were before. When Jesus hung on that cross for you, he made the greatest sacrifice, the greatest show of power, the greatest act of love that mankind has or ever will see. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior himself, is the godliest weapon that the Father has ever unleashed upon this earth. Jesus defeated sin, death, Satan, fallen angels, the world, and evil. With his words, it is finished. 1 John 3.8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And Jesus finished that work on the cross for you and for me. We owe it all to him to be good soldiers. Fight Satan. Fight the fallen angels. Fight the world. Stand up for what you believe in. Be faithful and true to God because he's done that for you. 